What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. And I'd like you to turn to, to John 3. John 3. John 3, if you have your Bible. We want to stay in just the attitude today of uh, just worship and, and adoring our great King. When we stand holy, 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 thanking God, praising God, worshiping God, He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. And the reality is, unless your sin and my sin has been atoned for on the cross, we can't worship God. We can't be with God because in us, in every person that's here, is a heart that is completely evil and bent on pleasing ourselves. We are rebels to the core, and we love darkness. And God came down and he, He rescued us in Christ Jesus. And this is why we glory in the gospel. Now, these aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus. And we all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son, the only begotten son to the world. And you know what the world did to him? They killed him. They killed him on the cross. Why? Because we are evil to the core, we are rebels, and in our hearts we cry out in unison, you will not rule over us. And the cross is mankind saying back to God, thank you but no thank you. We will not bow down. And Jesus... He doesn't just stop there. He continues on. And so a lot of people know 316, but they don't know John 336. That says the wrath of God abides on those who do not believe, who continue to reject Jesus. And, and, and we miss 19 as well. John 319. Let's read it. And this is the judgment. And this is Jesus talking. John 3.36, that was John the Baptist talking. This is Jesus talking here. Light has come into the world. The people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. We have a hard time reconciling that. And we see the nice lady who's a teacher and she does good things. But what we can't see is the heart. The heart. And Jesus declares that people's works are evil. And everyone who does wicked things, verse 20, hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. It's why those who are backsliding don't want to come to church because the darkness is causing them not not to want to come to be in the light. We're the light of the world now, by the way. 
We're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's the church as we come together under the authority of Christ. And people just don't want to come. Why? Understand, it's not the music, it's not the message or the messenger. It's because they love darkness. And they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I want you to turn to Second Peter three, please. As we worship God, we cannot worship God without the fear of the Lord. You cannot truly worship God without a reverence and awe of the Lord. He is our champion. He did defeat sin on the cross. But there needs to be a reverence and an awe of the Lord. And his punishments, this has been hard to stomach. We're in Revelation 15 and 16 this week. It's hard to to stomach his wrath, but understand his love has been poured out. Second Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in fulfilling His promise, as some count slowly, slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's wrath that will be poured out, He doesn't want to pour it out, but people will have to get the justice and judgment of God because they're rejecting Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And so God's being so patient right now. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is a terrifying thing, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. And the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. God, the just God, is going to put an end to all wickedness, unrighteousness, and evil. And we are about to, and by the way, go there now, please. Revelation 15, 15 and 16, we are about to see the justice of God, the wrath of God being poured out. If you're, if you're new here with us, we're going through the book of Revelation and uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because it's, it's important for us to see the whole picture, the whole story of God. And, and, and so here, let's pick it up in 15.1. It says, then I saw another sign in heaven. Great and amazing, and I want you to highlight great and amazing because God's wrath, God's justice, God's judgment is great and amazing. 
Seven angels with seven plagues. That word plague means a blow or a wound, which are the last, for with them the wrath. And that word wrath means this, a passionate outburst of anger or a rage. Now, listen, this is the difference. When we think about those words, we think of man in a passionate rage and outburst of anger. That is not our God. Our God's wrath, rage, and passionate anger is filled up in a cup, and it is measured out, and that cup has a lid, and it will be perfectly measured out as it's poured out. And all of heaven here is celebrating this. All of heaven is rejoicing. Now, if you're not pre-tribulation, pre-wrath, or pre-mid, you're not going to be here. But those of us who are, right? If you don't believe in the, tri- in, the, in the rapture, right? You You might, anyway. It says, this wrath is finished. It's finished. God is going to finish and he's going to pour out his wrath. Jeremy, go ahead and put up uh, uh, that picture for me, please, so you can kind of see where we are. There is the church age, which was Revelation 2 and 3, and then we went from 4 to 5, chapters 4 or 5, Revelation, where we went to, to, to see Jesus on his, chapter 4, Father God, and then chapter 5, Jesus, the Lamb of God being worshipped. And then in chapter 6, the tribulation started. And so we are in the last part of the tribulation here, where the seven veils or seven bowls are going to be poured out. And 15 is a kind of precursor, if you will, to those bowls being poured out. Chapters 15 and 16, they describe, 15 and 16 describe the finality of God's wrath. Verse 2, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. You can jot down there Revelation 4, 6, because it's a picture of, of being in the throne room of God. This sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God. They were worshiping and they were praising and they were adoring God with harps in their hands. Now, I want you to see this word conquered and go ahead and highlight that and just put Revelation 13, 7 above it. Because I want you to get this, and this is going to be a word for somebody today, is whatever you're dealing with, God's going to make everything right. Revelation 13, 7, when the beast is unleashed from the pit and the enemy is ruling this earth and and you can't buy or sell unless you take the mark of the beast and there's this one world government that, 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 that is just persecuting and hunting down and killing Christians, it says in Revelation 13, 7, it was allowed to make war, the beast, on the saints and to conquer them. And so listen, these saints during this time were conquered by the beast, but now on the other side, because they were killed by the beast, guess what? They're now conquering. They're now conquering. Jot this down if you're taking note. Even when we lose, we win. 
Christian. Ask the Holy Spirit to burn that in you so that when you're losing, really, you're you're winning. This is the economy of God. Genesis 50, 20. What was meant for evil, God meant it for good. It did, that was Joseph saying that to his brothers. It didn't look good when he was sold into slavery. It didn't look good when he became a slave in Egypt. It didn't look good when he went to prison. It didn't look good when he was forgotten about by his homies that got out of prison. It didn't look good. And when he stood in front of his brothers, he said, what was meant for evil? God meant it for good. And this is why the Christian who is in Christ is winning even when he's losing. We will conquer. We will conquer. We will conquer. Some of you are in horrible marriages. And I'm not looking at anybody, by the way. It's just the reality of it. But you have to, even though you think, man, I did not win the prize with this one. I thought I did. You can't look at it like that. You have to look with internal perspective. So that here's the blessing. Here's the blessing in it all. Oh, man, I get to learn how to love my enemy. I get to learn how to wash Judas's feet that's living with me. And even though this is, this is not a good deal, this is not a good thing right here, understand, you're in a better place than me. See, my wife's easy to love. Sweet mama, the queen. I got a prize here. But see, in heaven, because of that gift, I'm going to be living in a shack. Those of you with a bad marriage, I'm coming over to your place. I'm playing around a little bit. There's no shacks in heaven. There may be a shake shack, but anyway. Listen. Have a heavenly perspective even when you're losing, you're going to win. He turns ashes into beauty. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And these saints, they were conquering. They were conquering even while... They are losing. I want you to to just jot this down. Psalm 1834. It's one of my favorite verses. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. That Psalm 18 is called the warrior song. And you young men need to meditate on that and memorize that song. He gave me feet like a deer so I can leap over mountains. By him, I can leap over walls, right? I can run against the troop. All of these promises are yes and amen in Christ. But this verse, it says, he trains my hands with war so that I can bend a bow of bronze. Listen, here's the deal. We all want the victory. We all want to be. Oh, look how strong I am. I'm bending a bow of bronze. I'm so strong. But the first part is trains. This is the issue with the Western church. We want to bend the bow and bronze. Just give me the promises, Chris. But the training, we don't want to do that. By the way, we got a marriage conference coming up. It's called, what is it called? Secret Souse Marriage Conference, okay? Anyway. Nobody wants to train. We have these classes coming up, Inner Healing, where we help people 
or recover from trauma or bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, like dealing with things that have happened to them, learning how to minister to people, but nobody wants to train. We can sing and we can praise because even when we lose, we win. And the training and the process and the trials, they're hard. But ultimately, just like these saints here, guys, we are going to conquer through the blood of the Lamb. Even Jesus, as he carried the cross, the training, if you will, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus wants to bring us to a place, even in the pain, even in the trials, even in the times we are being conquered, that we set our eyes not on what's happening now, but we set our eyes on the reality, the joy that was set before us. We embrace that cross and we believe we will conquer. We will conquer. We will conquer. And this is the fulfillment of that. They conquered. Jesus conquered. They won. Verse three. Revelation 15, and they sang the song of Moses. I want you to put here for your own time, Deuteronomy 32, Exodus 15. That is where the song of Moses is listed in the Old Testament. And there's a correlation. I'll get into it in a minute with the New Testament. They sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So they were singing both these songs Verse 3 continued, great and amazing are your deeds. Great and amazing are your deeds. Now go up to 15.1 again, and you see that same terminology. The wrath of God is great and amazing. Great and amazing. This reminds us, with the songs of Moses... What God did to Pharaoh in Egypt when he rescued his people and pulled them out. The song of the lamb is about Jesus rescuing his people and pulling them out of sin. And we worship him and we give him glory and praise. But his deeds are great and amazing. In fact, Exodus 15, 11, it says this, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds. The same language that is used in, in Exodus 15, the song of Moses is used here. Awesome are your deeds, great and amazing are your deeds. You are doing wonders on this earth. The commentator John Phillips says this of this passage. It says, the song of Moses was sung at the Red Sea. The song of the Lamb is sung at the Crystal Sea. The song of Moses was sung of triumph over Egypt, which represents a world system in Pharaoh. But the song of the Lamb is a song of triumph over Babylon, this world system, and the beast. The song of Moses told how God brought his people out of Egypt, but the song of Lamb tells how God brings his people in to heaven. The song of Moses was the first song in Scripture, and the song of the Lamb is the last song in Scripture. Only God 
God is worthy. And his deeds are awesome and terrifying and wonderful at the same time. How many have been to our, our Passover that we do here every year? Okay? All right. You sign up. You got to sign up quick. We run out of seats every year. But there's this song, and I'm not going to sing it. Carly, help me out. Dayan. Yeah, oh, she went and sang it. Die, die, anu, right? And so in there, there's a verse. You took the Egyptians and you like destroyed them and threw them into the sea. And so, but then it goes, die, die, you know, and there's a worship and there's praise. And it always hit me like, that's weird. We are shouting and singing because God destroyed people and drowned them in the sea. It just kind of doesn't compute. And the reason why it kind of doesn't compute is because I'm not on God's level. And the reason why this stuff doesn't compute for a lot of you is you're not on God's level. His wrath is to be worshipped. And guess what? We're not going to get on his level apart from the Holy Spirit, by the way. This is why you shouldn't be listening just to listen. We need to be listening and saying, oh, God, give me ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. We're dependent on him giving. And if he doesn't give, we don't have. You see that phrase there? It says, just and true are your ways. Just and true are your ways, O God. God's ways are perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. He is without flaw. His character demands, if he is just, that he punishes sin. And we need to worship him for his justice. Worship him for his wrath. Verse 4, who will not fear O Lord, and glorify your name. I want you to look at that. Fear and glorifying God's name. They go together. They go together. You alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for you, for your righteous acts have been revealed again his righteous acts his wrath has been revealed and there was fear and there was worship and there was glorifying God going on we live in an age church that we need to really repent of where the fear of the Lord has just left the building and we need to ask God give us a greater fear of you and it's really been poor teaching that says, oh, listen, perfect love casts out all fear. That is a verse. That is true. But listen, Jesus was perfect love. And when you read Isaiah 11, which is about Jesus, the root of Jesse, it says that he walked in the fear of the Lord and his delight was in the fear of the Lord. Your prayer, my prayer, God, may I fear you more so that I can give you the glory that you deserve. 
Fear and worship go together. together. Reverence and awe go together. Now, listen, second week in a, r- a row. I, I, actually, I missed last week. Great guest speaker last week. But walking in late to worship, it exposes a lack of what? Reverence in our hearts. We are kissing God. We are kissing, we are coming before our King. And you ask, listen, God understands. When moms, you, you walk out of the house and you hear a <laughs> and you got to go back in and change. Look, I'm not trying to condemn or judge. I'm just, listen, there is a lack of fear and reverence of God. I want you to turn to Psalm 3411, please. Hear God, Psalm 34, 11. Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I'm not going to give you a step-by-step program to fear the Lord. Go to God and acknowledge, I do not fear you. I do not fear you. I do not fear you. If I did fear you, I I wouldn't look at what I'm looking at. I wouldn't do what I'm doing. I wouldn't be so flippant. And so all of us, all of us, all of us, listen, myself included. God, please teach me how to fear you and reverence you. Most of my issues have come because I've feared man more than I feared God. Without the fear of the Lord, there's no true worship. I want you to turn over a few pages to Psalm 86. And you see this worship and you see this adoration going to God. In this psalm. It says in verse 8, there is none like you. Psalm 86 verse 8, there's none like you. Nor are there any works like yours. Yeah, the cross. Yeah, salvation. Yeah, the miracle signs and wonders. But also, yeah, the wrath. The wrath. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. Great and awesome are your deeds. You alone are God. Verse 11, teach me your way. There again, the humility. Just like the disciples, teach us how to pray. And he taught them. Teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. And highlight this, unite my heart to fear your name. God, I want to fear you more. I want to fear you more. I want to fear you more. I look at Potiphar when Potiphar's wife is trying to sleep with him. And Potiphar was rich. He had this wife. 
And she's trying to sleep with Joseph. And his response is a fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. How can I do such a thing? When there is no repentance going on in our hearts, where there's a conviction that I cannot do such a thing to God, we lack the fear of the Lord. And these prayers, Psalm 34, 11, right? God, teach me to fear you. Teach me to fear the Lord. Um, Psalm 86, 11, it says, God, unite my heart with the fear of the Lord. We need to cry out as a community for the fear and the reverence of the Lord because without that, it's not true worship. It's not true worship. Revelation 15. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? Without the fear of the Lord, you are not really worshiping. And again, that's new for some of you. But you need to meditate on Isaiah 11. Because Jesus walked and delighted in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And God wants to teach us to fear him, to reverence him. I remember there was a church... Well, there is a church where one of my, my friends was the pastor of that church. The worship leader got caught in a homosexual sting operation, prostitution. Pastor comes to the, the, the deacon's meeting. He's got to go. They're like, no, nah, we, we don't want him to go. We believe in grace here. He's like, look, either he goes or I go. You can't have somebody that is blatantly in sin, sexual sin. So, again, let, let me just say this. Masturbation, pornography, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, sexual. That is, that is sexual immorality. You cannot have someone on this stage that is doing that. Why? Because fear of the Lord and worship go hand in hand. You're actually supposed to be bringing people into the very face of God when there's filth and there's sin and rebellion. And it's grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that church told that pastor, see you later. And they kept the guy on stage. Sad. That's sad. Again, Without a pure and holy devotion and a reverence for God, the worship's not really worship, no matter how gifted it may sound.
Verse 5. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead to, to 2 Corinthians 7, I believe it is. It's not in my notes. And the reason why I say that is because I really believe as a church, right, we kind of don't believe this, you know, like, like Chris, you're being a little too, no, listen, listen, there is true repentance and false repentance happening every Sunday, every Sunday in our churches, there's true and false repentance, the Bible exposes that, and this is why I believe God put this on my heart just now, because you and I, we need to understand the difference. So again, Holy Spirit, we need you. Verse 10, godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So there's two kinds of grief. There's two kinds of repentance, if you will. Sometimes when children get caught and they get in trouble, there's real tears. But why are the tears there? Uh, what's the punishment going to be? Am I going to get a spanking? Am I going to get put on, right? And so there's that. Why? Not because of what they have done, but because of the consequences. There's people that heard about hell. I don't want to go there. I'm following you, Jesus. And it's really just fire insurance. They don't want Jesus. They don't want Jesus. You know, Dallas Willard has this term, and, and, and I love it, vampire Christians, where they just want to suck the blood of Jesus for themselves, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus. What's, what are you here today? Are you in or are you out? Is there a fear and reverence? Before God, do you, do you like have this holy, holy place in your heart like, I don't want to sin against you, God? There's two kinds of repentance here. And whenever I read this passage, I think that this young man that I was working with, and he was selling cocaine at like 10 years old on 6th and Tamron. And he got caught and he got arrested. And he's like, Pastor Chris, will you come and speak to the judge? So I go in and I speak to the judge and he's crying tears and he's just weeping because he's going to get in trouble. I'm like, oh man, this is great. I wonder what's going to happen when he gets out. He's probably going to walk the narrow road. And he got out and he didn't. He walked the wide road, went back up on the hill on 6th and started slanging coke again. Why? Because he was concerned with the consequences he could care less about making people slaves and ruining people's lives and doing evil he didn't care all he cared about was how it affects me and some of us the only reason like we we care is because of how it affects us and we don't understand that in ephesians it says do not grieve the holy spirit which is in you and your sin and my sin, it makes the Holy Spirit grieve, weep, and cry. And because of that, we don't have fear of the Lord yet. And we need it, God. We need it, God. 
We need more. Because see, true repentance produces something. It produces something. Continue on in, in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. See what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also an eagerness to clear yourself. I want to clear myself. I don't want to do that again. I'm going to fast for a week with just water because I, I don't want to be like a dog going back to my vomit. I want a greater fear and reverence of you, God. What fear, what longing, what indignation. You see these words, what zeal. Zeal means passion. What punishment. I'm going to punish myself, not legalistically, but like, oh, God. Oh, God, I can't hang out with these guys anymore because I keep falling. And the reason why I fall, I don't fear you and I actually fear them. So when they hand me the beer, when they hand me the weed, I take it because I want accepted by them. It just shows me the root. I don't fear you, God. I don't fear you enough to bring that into your holy temple. And God is looking for a church. Look at the end of verse 11. At every point, you've proved yourself innocent in the matter. He's looking for a church that takes discipleship and the fear and the reverence of God so seriously that we walk around as innocent doves, pure, holy, and righteous, where we can say to our spouses, husbands, here's all my access to everything. I've got nothing to hide because I fear the Lord. I'm not afraid of getting caught by you, wifey wife. I fear the Lord. I reverence God. When I told my wife on the night that we got married, listen, I fell, I messed up, I cheated on every girl that I've ever been with. I was horrible, addicted to pornography. But for a year now, I have not given into porn or self-pleasure, and I'm completely yours. Not because of her, but because of him. He brought me to the place where this is no longer an issue for me. He's brought me by his grace into freedom, and I stand before you today after 20 years, I can say the same thing to you, and it's not because of me, it's because of his grace that was poured out in my heart that I cannot do such a thing to God. There is a fear and a reverence. This is why I'm so hyped up right now, because there's not in the church. It is a false grace that you can continue to do what you want to do, and he's going to love you, and he's going to forgive you. Yes, it's true, but man... Where's the fear of the Lord that we walk innocent and blameless and pure? This is God's will, by the way. God's will is not, oops, I did it again like Brittany. And you come to the cross, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. No, you're spitting on the blood of Jesus. Let me say that again. You are trampling on and you are spitting on Jesus' blood. Don't do that. If there's no fear in you, you are in great danger. And worship, 
You see how messed up we are? Worship is just, why do you go to that church? Oh, the worship is just, the worship is just. Listen, real worship is what you do Monday. It's easy to sing. It's easy to sing. Real worship is when the song goes, God, I surrender all, that you say, nope, I'm not going to sing that. Because I really surrender most. Because I still love myself. I still love myself more than I love you. I'm not surrendering that area because I love that more than I love you, Jesus. And I can't sing right now. I'm going to make my way right up here and I'm going to get on the ground. And I pray you slay me so that I don't get up again until I can sing that song. There's two in, true and fake repentance. Some of us, we want forgiveness so that we can get rid of that guilt and go back and do it again. And it's become a little game. And it's got to stop. It's got to stop. That is why the wrath of God is so important for us to get our mind around so that we live holy and blameless. So that we have compassion for those around us who will someday suffer the wrath of God. Like there's a brokenness because they're being led to the slaughter because of their rebellion. Revelation 15, 5. After this, I looked in the sanctuary. That word sanctuary is N-A-O-S. That's the same word that's used for the holy of holies. So this wrath is going to come from God himself. Again, if you have an issue with the wrath, you have an issue with God. You have an issue with God. He is just. He is true. He is right. God is the source of this wrath because he's just. And the tent of witness in heaven was open, and out of the sanctuary came seven angels with seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Mankind was offered the cup of salvation by Jesus. But if you don't drink the cup of salvation, you will someday drink the cup of the wrath of God. Is that fair? It's just and it's right. Because Jesus, he was there to take away your sin. But if you say, I don't need you, Jesus, then you're stuck in your sin and you have no savior. And the Bible declares that there is no one righteous. No, not one. No one. No one is good. No one is good, even though they may look like it. The Bible declares that in our hearts are evil, evil. Verse eight. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke, and I want you to highlight smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Man. Man. 
Who wants this smoke? Who wants this smoke? I know I do. And listen, the false kind of perspective that we come in America, in the pull yourself up by your bootstraps perspective, is that the smoke, it doesn't depend on how amazing the worship team is. The smoke doesn't depend on the preacher and how anointed he is. The smoke, the smoke, right? It depends on God giving it. But do you think God's going to come where he's not wanted? He does by his grace. But listen, Exodus 19, 18, just listen to this. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke went up like the smoke of a king. And the whole mountain trembled greatly because of the smoke, the very presence of God. Exodus 40, 34, it says this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 1 Kings 8, 10, it says this. When the priest came out to the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. In the Old Testament, we see that. In the New Testament, we see that here. This cloud, this filling, this smoke. When Peter walked by people, his shadow healed him. He was filled with smoke. He was filled with the presence of God. When Ananias and Sapphira came into the church and they lied, they dropped dead. And there was great fear that came over the early church. Guys, I want the presence of God to come. Because it's not somebody's preaching. It's not music. Are we doing anything that would grieve God's presence in this place today? Judgments, anger, bitter resentment, backbiting, gossiping, sexual stuff. Is there anything that's grieving the spirit of God so that he's offended and he won't come? And this is not just for you. This is for our deacons. This is for our elders. This is for me. I'll never forget a pastor coming to my my high school and talking, saying that they were ministering in a Muslim population. And they were worshiping God and they were singing and nobody was coming. And all of a sudden there was this cloud that came into the room. And they were renting out a building and Muslims were cooking for them and stuff. But the Muslims started coming out of the kitchen saying, we need to repent of our sins. We want God. People started coming in from the streets, drawn in because the presence of God, the smoke was there. And they knew they needed to get right with the Lord. Worship team, why don't you come on up, please? 
we're going to continue to sing and we're going to continue to adore God and worship God. But before these bowls come in 16, which is the wrath of God poured out in heaven, they were worshiping him with a fear and a reverence and an awe because he is awesome. He is mighty. They were singing with harps. They were giving him what he deserves. And it says that the smoke filled the very presence so nobody could come in. We've got an 11 o'clock service. I pray that nobody can get in here. I pray that God would pour out his spirit in this place, that we're going to have some major parking problems. I don't want anything to grieve the Holy Spirit because I want God's presence to come. I want it to come. I want it to come. And so, Father, as we just turn our hearts towards you again, we worship you because you alone are worthy. I pray, God, for a purity in our worship now. As we sing to you, as we kiss towards you, God, teach us to fear you, Lord. Teach us the fear of the Lord. May our hearts be right before you, God. Yes, you have conquered. Yes, you have won. Yes, you are our champion, God. But I pray just for a greater pouring out of your spirit on our hearts so that we would fear and reverence your name in awe with worship and adoration because you are holy, you are worthy, you are the one God. And I pray you would come visit us. I pray for your glory to come down and fill this place. Just fill every heart with a greater reverence for you, Jesus. A greater desire to not touch anything unclean. Because we do not want the dove to fly away. So Holy Spirit, would you come down and visit your people again? Would you shatter heart hearts, God? Break strongholds in our life. Apathy, complacency, go in Jesus' name. And we pray for the true brokenness of God. Because a broken heart you will not despise. We pray for true repentance, God. True repentance that says, I never want to do it again. And by your grace, you can do it, God. Help us to obey the gospel. Be glorified, God, I pray. Anoint every song, every instrument, every worshiper. We want to touch your heart today, God, and give you what you deserve. You are so worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You have conquered. You, are, you have conquered. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. You have conquered. And we adore you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.